Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. This is Beyond Confidence with your host, Divya Parikh. Do you want to live a more fulfilling life? Do you want to live your legacy and achieve your personal, professional, and financial goals? Well, coming up on Divya Park's Beyond Confidence, you will hear real stories of leaders, entrepreneurs, and achievers who have stepped into discomfort, shattered their status quo, and are living the life they want. You will learn how relationships are the key to achieving your aspirations and financial goals. Moving your career or business forward does not have to happen at the expense of your personal or family life, or vice versa. Learn more at www.diviapark.com and you can connect with Divya at contact at diviapark.com. This is Beyond Confidence. And now here's your host, Divya Park. Good morning, listeners. And yeah, it's Tuesday morning and we have changed some of our stuff. So folks, here's what I'm going to share with you is that today you know if you have not got one of our copies of our books do get it either the entrepreneur's garden or expert to influencer because the profits from the books are going to entrepreneurs impacted by COVID-19 and also as always remember to donate or to give without any strings attached one hour of your time every month think about it even if 50 million people do that 
50 million hours every month to help others. All right, folks, without any further delay, we will get started. Welcome, Lindley. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to have you. And am I pronouncing your name correctly? Yes, W. Okay, fantastic. So, Lindley, can you share with us as to a bit about yourself? Sure. I went to college at the Wharton School of Business to study mathematics. I became an actuary, which is a mathematician for insurance. And I started a great career and I just loved working with math, calculating premiums for insurance and numbers to make sure that the, the company would be financially profitable and solvent. <clears throat> and then I got married and I had a couple little boys and I wanted to raise them myself. So I, I resigned my position, which was super hard to, um, to, but to raise them full time. And I've, I've learned through, through my life and my career that, um, that I can have it all, just not all at once. Um, <laughs> Definitely. You said it, you know, it's not, you just can have it all. And it's about the priorities. You can have it all depending on the priorities. So definitely what a life journey, Lindley. So let's uh, take you back sometime in your childhood. Do you recall a moment where, you know, you were just having fun or there was some event in your childhood le that left a mark on you? Um, there were there were several. One thing that I, I really enjoyed was being a mathlete. My school had a mathlete team and I'm not athletic, so I would never be on any of the athletic teams. But I just loved going to compete with other kids that love math from other high schools. And um, one year I even got a trophy because um, I was near the top of the county. And I just, I loved math, but I didn't want just to look at it theoretically. I, I wanted to apply it to something practical. And so that's why I was so happy to find this career as an actuary. Well, that's fantastic. And from your teenage, where did your life take you? So I went to Philadelphia to mm -hmm. the Wharton School. And I, I, and that was a fantastic experience. I enjoyed being in honors classes at high school because of the, um, the other students and the discussions and how they, they push you and make you think. And then at Wharton, it was just the next level of the same thing. So I made you know, lifelong friends there and just really enjoyed learning from, from the professors and being in that environment. I also took the opportunity outside of, of Penn to study viola in the city. Mm -hmm. There are great conservatories in Philadelphia because that's also one of my passions. And in fact, I was trying to think when I was in high school, do I want to major in math or music? Because I loved them both. It took me about a year to decide. And I decided on math because I didn't know where my life would take me. And I wanted to be sure to be able to make a living. Yeah, absolutely. So when you are talking about, you know, whether you were going to go with math or music, what was it that decided you to go the other way? 
Um, so I didn't know if I'd ever get married. I didn't know what I would um, be required to do in my life. Both my parents were musicians, although my dad also worked for an insurance company for a stable income. So I was familiar with musicians and the challenges of making a living just by looking at my parents. And I thought, you know, there are a few musicians that are superstars that make a lot of money, but I don't think I should be confident I could do that. So I, I didn't know any mathematicians that were out of work or struggled. So I thought I'll go that way. Well, there's something to be said about having that comfort. Where's your next meal coming from or having that comfort of career? So let's cut. That's a very practical and pragmatic choice. So let me ask you this. You know, there are so many people who talk about, oh, you got to do what your passion demands. What would you tell them? Well, I tell them I have three passions. I have math, music, and motherhood. And I was able to fit them all into my life in an amazing way. And that's why I wrote a book about it called uh, Don't Be Afraid to Do What You Really Want to Do, Reach All Your Life Dreams. And I really debated whether to put all in the subtitle or not. But I eventually put it in because I think we really can reach all of our life dreams over a full life in at least some way. So I had two children when I resigned work, but I had four more, one adopted from China. And I raised them over 19 years in four countries full time. And I love doing it. It's harder. It's harder than being an actuary. Being an actuary uses like one little part of your brain really deeply, but being a parent just uses all of your brain, you have to think about so many things to, to raise a healthy child and uh, you know, mentally and, and culturally and spiritually and being a good citizen and all that. So that was definitely harder. But I always hoped that I could fit in music and, and math. So when my baby went to first grade, I started working on a master's degree in music in viola performance part-time because I knew I couldn't do it full-time. I had six kids at home and I just loved doing that. It, it energized me. I thought, well, I'll just squeeze it in because it's what I really want to do. And instead, after spending a few hours with grown-ups creating great music or studying great music, I came home as a better mother. I had more capacity to serve my kids. And so, yes, pursue that dream. And then I also hoped that once all my children were grown, that I could work again as an actuary. So during those 19 years, I did a little bit as an actuary. I, I taught part-time. So, right, right. So, Lindley, you know, there are a lot of people who may not know what an actuary is. So, folks, actuary is a business professional who will kind of delve into measurement, risk, and uncertainty. So tell us how, you know, what was your career and how did you work and in what capacity and how did you help others? Okay. In my early career, I worked for Nationwide Insurance and I worked on projection models. So an insurance company needs to look far into the future 
to make sure they'll be financially sound because they may have sold you an insurance policy that will pay you a bunch of money when you die and it might be 50 years from now. And so they need to make sure that they are going to have that money in 15 years and 50 years and how, how to plan for that and how to plan for it if it's in one year or a hundred. I mean, you have to look at all those, all those scenarios. So I enjoyed that. And I also worked a lot in, in pricing of insurance. So if you're watching TV and there's this ad for life insurance and they're blinking $10 a month, $10 a month, it, it's actuaries that figured that $10 a month will cover the promises that they're making in that policy. So it's, and then the actuaries get to work with the rest of the company to implement. So you work with the, the IT people, with the marketing and salespeople, with the rest of management to make sure that what you price for is, it fits into the rest of the business of the insurance company. And so like I was in my early twenties and I was working with vice presidents of marketing and, and such that were late in their career. And I really enjoyed that because I could learn so much from their experience and, but they respected me even though I was young. And things a lot of people think that, oh, if I'm young, people will not respect. It's about the competence and capabilities. And so many times there's this thing that, oh, you just got to get respect because you're there. The key is it's it's important to earn that respect. So sh- share with us what were like, you know, some of your qualities that made your seniors respect you. Uh, one thing they gave me the nickname Eagle Eye because I could look at numbers or um, a legal document for insurance and I could find out any errors or anything that should be improved in the documents. So that was one thing. Another thing was communication. The people outside of actuarial who um, would say they like to look work with Lindley rather than the other actuaries because we can understand her. I would try to communicate in ways that they could understand and not just in our esoteric talk. And um, the last thing was accuracy. Um, once I made a mistake and there was this big hole over the organization, we can't believe Lindley made a mistake. And <laughs> I felt like that was a good thing because that meant they had confidence that I almost never made a mistake. And, you know, when I made it, I owned up to it. So you need to, you know, work really hard, work your best and, and try to be aware of the different groups you work with so that they can understand you and you can meet their needs. So how long did you stay with the insurance company? That was about seven years. And after that, what, uh, like, did you step into another career? Yeah, motherhood. (laughs) And uh, so, like, you did mention that uh, during motherhood, you know, you were thoroughly enjoying doing your college. So were you doing anything career-wise or entrepreneurial-wise while you were raising your kids? Nothing entrepreneur-wise, but I had the idea I wanted to come back and work as an actuary someday and... It seems like, well, that's crazy. Nobody leaves their career for a generation and comes back. I mean, like a doctor or a lawyer, some kind of professional. And so, but I really hoped I could because I loved it so much. 
and it wasn't my top priority. As you said, we have our priorities and my kids were my top. So I chose to look for opportunities on a very part-time basis to keep up as an actuary. And I was living in Shanghai, China in 1994, and they were at that time uh, going to toward a market economy. Before that, they were just a planned economy where the government owned everything. And then as they were going toward the market economy, they were doing joint ventures with foreign firms. And that's actually what brought my family there. My husband at the time was working for an international company and they sent him there to set up a factory. And these individuals or companies could own, for example, a factory. And if it burned down, you know, that could be a big problem. Before, the government would just rebuild it because the government owned everything, but now people could own things. And so they needed insurance in case they had some big problem like a fire. And you can't have insurance without the actuaries doing the calculations behind. So China had chosen uh, 30 very smart math students to be their country's first actuaries. And they were looking for a teacher to teach them the actuarial math. And so I read in the international actuarial newsletter that they were looking for a teacher. And I decided to apply. And it wasn't a lot of competition. I think I might have been the only actuary in the country. Certainly there weren't (laughs) any Chinese actuaries because it was new for them. And I got to teach them in English. And it was so fun for me to get to know some actual Chinese people because mostly we just uh, associate with the f- other foreigners. And um, and the, the class did great. They um, 97% passed one exam and 100% passed another exam where Americans taking the exam in their native language only about 30% pass. So they were super smart and they worked really hard, studied well. And... So that was really fun. And that was the first thing that I did to try to keep up. And that made me uh, have to think really hard and and remember all of the the formulas and concepts. And then after that, I volunteered with the Society of Actuaries, which is the international board that certifies actuaries in their education and exam committee. Mm -hmm. So So basically... Like what you're sharing is that while you're in, so was that the first country that you visited with your husband? No, actually we lived in Japan for three before. years before that. So tell us yeah. like, you know, how was it living in Japan? I I really loved Japan. I loved the culture, the the peace, the, they love beauty, the, um, how they present their food on their plate, how they arrange flowers, how they write their letters. Um, we lived on, on a mountainside so we could go hiking in the mountain. And the people there were just really respectful. Um, it was, I mean, I know the history of the U.S. and, and Japan. And in World War II, we, we were on opposite sides. And I thought there might be some kind of antagonism toward us, especially when we went to visit the, the Peace Park in Hiroshima. But I never felt any of that. There was just respect and 
you know, they were interested in my life and I was interested in their lives and made some good friends there. And I also studied the language and that was a challenge, but I wanted to make real friends there. And you can't really get to know people unless you know their language. So, so that was when we had four sons. And so it was very busy, but I really enjoyed uh, getting to know the language of the culture and the people in Japan. Mm, so if you want to tell anyone that, you know, one or two things that you took away from there that have stayed with you for the rest of your life, what might they be? The, the first thing would be the group awareness of, of Japan. I think in the U.S. and in many European countries, the individual is, is the primary thing that people think about. But in Japan, it's more thinking about the society. Once I was at the post office with my son, who was about seven months old, and he was in a stroller, and some other lady came in with a boy about the same age, and I thought, oh, maybe I can talk to her, and we can talk about our babies, and and her baby started babbling, and she shushed the baby, and I was shocked. I'm like, oh, how is he going to learn to talk? Um, and so I didn't talk to her because I was just so surprised, but if, as you see children a little bit older, like on the subway or the bus, you know, the Japanese children, they don't talk in public because they are respecting everybody else's you know, um, environment. Mm. And so um, I think that helps their society be, be calm and peaceful and, and move forward. So, um, so that was uh, one big thing. Um, the, the other thing is that they're a modern society where you know they have you probably have owned electronics from japan or something and yeah they they still respect their their roots their culture they have the, the beautiful kimonos that they wear they have um shrines sometimes a little shrine in every little neighborhood and, and also big and beautiful shrines they do the, the flower arranging, the ikebana, they do calligraphy. They spend time treasuring their their beautiful culture and not just going headstrong into modern society. Got it. So as you moved around in different countries, I'm because your husband had to move and it's amazing that you know you all kept your family together moving with him. So you have mentioned that you have got three strategies. So there are so many moms and very, you know, moms are thinking, gosh, you know, what if I take a couple of years off to raise my kid? And we forget that raising children is one of the most important things we can do because you're bringing up the next generation. Yes. And if you raise them to be good, solid human beings, that's going to form the society and carry the character and values from one generation to another. Exactly. So first of all, kudos to you for doing that. It's really important to me. Being a mom is such an important journey. And I mean, that goes for the same for being a father. It doesn't matter. Mom or dad, whoever is doing the raising of the kids, heads off to them. So as we say, heads off to them. And still there is that need for your own personal career your own identity because what happens is you know once children are grown especially as soon as they land in teens and even nowadays it's getting earlier tweens right 
10, 11 yes. years old. They want to hang out with their friends. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad are not so cool. So it's important to have your identity as well as kids are growing up. So let's get into those three strategies that you talk about where moms can raise their kids and still maintain their careers. Sure. So the first strategy is to get comfortable with your current situation. And you may be out of a job because of COVID-19 or some other restructuring where you didn't want to be out of a job. But whatever reason that you're not currently in the workforce, you need to get yourself financially comfortable, mentally comfortable. You need to say, okay, I'm set in this situation and be okay with that. Because if you're not, then you're not going to be able to think about the future and plan for your career return as well. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is to keep current while not working. And that's what I did by volunteering with the education committee and teaching at some universities, very part-time, but it, it kept me current. And not only that, it showed the employer that hired me after my break that I was committed to my profession. It wasn't that I, I quit, I raised my kids, and got bored and thought, hmm, what should I do? Maybe I'll go back to what I did a long time ago. If, if I, that had been my strategy, I would not have gotten a job. And I wouldn't be talking to you today. So keeping current somehow, you can, you can volunteer. If you're an accountant, you can help the, at the library with the senior citizen taxes or something. You can figure out something to do. You could even take a course. And if you didn't like the job you did before, you can shift now and start taking courses or volunteering or something to, to shift toward your new career. So, so that's a second step is to have your career as part of your life, even if you're not making any money from it. And then the, the third step is as you return to your career to leverage the soft skills that you gained while you were not working full-time. So when I wasn't working, I got a lot of management and organizational skills, organizing my family to live overseas, coming home just once a year. Um, like if I wanted the Cub Scout meeting to have brownies for their activity in February, the brownie mix had to be in my suitcase in August. I mean, you had to think, <laughs> um, which we actually did that. Um, and so you can't get um, so many organizational and managerial skills sitting beside, behind a desk as an individual contributor. So when you're ready to go back to work, you need to translate that into work terms so that you can put it on your resume and they can realize that you organized something in your community, that you were on the PTA board or something. And that's something that can translate to a benefit to your potential. Important to have the clarity that what gets you rip-roaring. And when I tell you rip-roaring is that what gets you excited 
especially if you're taking a break, it's so important to know what your passion is. And passion alone, of course, is not going to cut it. It's also about having the strategy. Lindley, as you mentioned about how can you transfer the skills. So it's important to know that what have you done? What are your skills and want to go? And once you're clear about which profession you want to land in, look around, you know, find mentors. You'll be surprised there are so many people who are willing to mentor and somebody who has walked the path that you want to walk. And as you mentioned, Lindley, about volunteering, you can volunteer for businesses, you can volunteer for other companies. And as you volunteer, you're gaining the most valuable thing, experience. And experience is the key that will lead to your next job search. And another thing as you guys are going through volunteering and all that, jot down your accomplishments, jot down what results you may have achieved. And it could be, let's say, you could just be doing a fundraising for a cause, for a nonprofit. And you could add to it. Even if it was uh, maybe 5K or 10K within a span of period, it is a result you have achieved. So it's so important to have that. So Lindley, as you traveled um, through your journey, growing your kids, nurturing them, where did you land finally? you back. <laughs> well, we, had, we had five years in a row in Asia. So three in Japan, two in China. And then we had nine years in the United States, which I thought was great. It was the time period where four boys all were in scouting. So they were all able to become Eagle Scouts during that time. And then we had the opportunity to go to Paris, France. And we were there for four years. And so two of my kids graduated from high school there and one from middle school. And so then in 2011, we repatriated to the United States and, and lived here ever since the last 10 years. But it's been such a gift to all my children. They're all at least bilingual. Some of them speak more than one foreign language. And they all have a worldview of different cultures and respecting people and that different isn't wrong or strange. It's just different. And like, if you have uh, dinner over at my house, you might have the weirdest meal you've ever had. You might have something Asian for an appetizer and Italian for a main course and something French for dessert. And it's just what we like to eat because we've adopted recipes and practices and ideas from all the different places that we lived that enrich our lives. Absolutely. How beautiful. And uh, it has become part of your life. You don't even have to think about it, right? It's mm -hmm. uh, just a mainstream. And that's so beautiful because you were there, you adapted and What's interesting is that you can also do something very similar in connecting with the folks from different, uh, we are in U.S. itself. I mean, any country you're living, you know, because the borders have dissolved, most of the people, I'm not talking about immigration here, folks, <laughs> just to be clear, what I'm talking about is that you will definitely find in most countries, people from other countries. It's just getting interested 
what are their cultures, you know, what are their new styles. And like uh, recently I had been speaking with someone from Haiti and they shared such a beautiful tradition. And it was like, you know, that's so beautiful. I'd love to adapt some portion of it. So as you mentioned about adapting and being flexible, it's so important. So Lindley, as you have worked your way through, and it's amazing how you have traversed your life. Are you actively employed right now or thinking of going back for full-time employment? I I reached my career goal. So I set my career goal when I was 20. I was just a new actuary. I had finished mm-hmm. college. And I looked at all the jobs and I decided like a full vice president and actuary was the job that I wanted. And when I got rehired after my break in as an individual contributor in seven months, they promoted me to manager. And nice. yes, but I mean, seven months isn't long enough to gain no. the experience. So right, I know right. it's because of this other skills that I brought. Mm-hmm. And then about five years later, I switched companies and became an assistant vice president. And in seven months, they made me a full vice president. Again, bringing skills from my long-term break and not just from those seven months. So I made my career goal and I was so excited. And I didn't work for that as long as I wanted to. I got a boss that didn't seem to like me so much Mm -hmm. and uh, got laid off in a budget cut. And so I've made um, made lemonade out of lemons. I moved to Utah to be close to extended family, including my widowed mother, which I'm happy to help her. And I've started my own business that I call Linfluence. So it's using Linley's unique skills to make the world a better place. Oh, so, lovely. Yeah, so I do actuarial consulting. Right now I have a 30-hour-a-week contract with a major insurance company that I love to do. And then that also gives me enough time to write my books. I do career and dream coaching. And I, because I learned that you can reach all your dreams and I think it makes you a better person and it makes you a happier person. I like to help other people figure out like what their dreams are. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's like part of our spirits, part of our, our whole our whole self and a kind of somewhat of a guide to us of what should you do? As you said, what, what makes you happy? That's what you should be doing. And that's what makes you the best person that makes the world the best place. So, so I, I do different things now with the, and and I do some speaking so that I can influence the world and let everyone know that my crazy idea that I could take a, 20-year break and come back worked and so if somebody wants a one-year break or two-year break or five-year break or whatever it's not going to ruin their career if they want the third or fourth kid I mean I had six it didn't ruin my career so I think society tells us that you can't you have to just focus on one thing one dream and hopefully that's the one that makes you money but I've found that we don't have to limit ourselves to just a successful career, or just a successful family, or just a super fun avocation that we can just like have our antenna up and think, well, what can I do now about mm-hmm. a parent or about my 
avocation or something. And I think if we all do that, the world will be energized. In Absolutely. Place. Definitely. So if people want to reach out to you, where could they reach you? And share with us about your books as well. Well, thank you. My website is linfluence.pro. So that's L-I-N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E dot pro. And you can uh, contact me there or my email is linley at linfluence.pro. I have linfluence.pro on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm also on LinkedIn. And my book is Don't Be Afraid to Do What You Really Want to Do, Reach All Your Life Dreams. So it talks about how I went through my career, how I fit in my music degree, raised my kids. And I have examples of a lot of other people who are in different fields that also are reaching their dreams. An opera singer that is at the Met Opera that has three kids that's a great parent and a great singer. Um, a nurse that works one day a week and, and loves that. And she has three little kids. And so that you have some ideas. You don't have to do what I did. And, and that's certainly not my point. But my point is, Figure out what your dreams are, what you love to do, and that you can figure out how to make them happen. Absolutely. And folks, that's about going beyond where you're at, pushing that limit and pushing that comfort zone. Because when you push the comfort zone, that's where the magic happens. So thank you, Lindley, for joining us. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. Without you, the show would not be possible. And thank you, Jason, for helping us with all the tech stuff. And until next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern in the morning, be well, take care, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for being part of Beyond Confidence with your host, Divya Park. We hope you have learned more about how to start living the life you want. Each week on Beyond Confidence, you hear stories of real people who have experienced growth by overcoming their fears and building meaningful relationships. During Beyond Confidence, Divya Park shares what happened to her when she stepped out of her comfort zone to work directly with people across the globe. She not only coaches people how to form heart connections, but also transform relationships to mutually beneficial partnerships as they strive to live the life they want. If you are ready to live the life you want and leverage your strengths, learn more at www.diviapark.com. And you can connect with Divya at contact at diviapark.com. We look forward to you joining us next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.